If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome to Art Dirt, the podcast where we discuss topical art topics. I'm William Saradet. And I'm Jessica Fuentes. And today we're going to have a discussion about the role that mental health plays in art. Asking the question, is art good for mental health? And if so, what does that look like? And so, Jessica, part of this discussion is going to be both some of the evidence that backs this up as well as kind of like how you and I have experienced participating and viewing contemporary art and kind of how our perspectives can play into this topic as well as a few examples of the kind of programming that can lend to the lifting of one's spirits and uh, you know the diminishing of suffering. And so one place that we can start this discussion from is that over the past two years, social isolation has certainly led to a lot of concerns, um, among them being that lockdown led to a lot of social isolation. And this is certainly a contributing factor to widespread um, conditions of depression or diminished mental health. When we were preparing for this discussion, I found a couple examples of programs, particularly in Brussels, as well as Canada, where physicians were enabled to prescribe, quote unquote, museum prescriptions, or art viewing as a means to facilitate someone uh, who's describing mental health issues. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting program. And I just thought that it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of funny being prescribed art as an idea of of medicine, but I thought that there were actually, there were some legs there. What about you, Jessica? Did, Did anything stand out to you when you were preparing for this discussion? I think while the idea of prescribing museum visits for mental health on the surface seems a little silly. Um, I think that there's a lot of truth rooted in that. In the same way that being out in nature can be restorative, being in a museum where you're looking at works of art, where you're surrounded by groups of people, even if you're not necessarily engaging with them, is a way to get a person out of their house, being active and being in a social environment, looking at things and surrounded by things that are beautiful and inspiring. Similarly, I think that's why programs like music therapy, art therapy have been around for a long time because they can be ways to 
spark introspection and reflection um, when people are feeling timid or unsure about how to go down those paths. Yeah. As a part of our research, uh, I found that the NEA published findings in 2020 that music therapy programs generated robust data on their prevention and treatment capabilities for substance use disorder, specifically for those suffering with opioid addiction. And a couple of the takeaways here is that music is not exactly visual art. Um, It's not exactly like a visual art program. However, the NEA was able to have enough data by looking at music therapy programs because the data existed. And they found that um, for both the treatment of pain management and limiting the use or the abuse of opioids, music therapy programs were successful enough that it warranted further research um, in visual art programs. They felt somewhat confident that the benefits would translate over to, say, a visual art program for people suffering with addiction. And those are pretty strong statements. It makes me feel more comfortable, um, even more comfortable, suggesting or advocating that uh, just about anybody get involved in the arts in some way. And Jessica, your reading of the benefit, the potential benefits of museum visitation. I agree. The idea of thinking of a prescription to see a museum, um, it doesn't sound particularly clinical or medical. In fact, some of the news reporting I was reading on this topic stated that those programs are most certainly backed by tourism interests. Um, However, it absolutely makes sense that being in a calming social environment where, you know, quiet introspection is welcome, that could be beneficial. And it's a great excuse to give people free access to these institutions. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know for decades, museums across the United States have been offering programs for people with dementia or Alzheimer's as an opportunity both for their caregivers to form social connections to other families who are in similar situations and as a way to use art to help spark memories and discussions um, with people who are struggling in their day-to-day life to hold on to some of those things. Many of those programs bring in music and performance and movement alongside the looking and discussion So knowing that we've all been kind of through this lockdown mode over the last couple of years because of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, I wonder if you've noticed any differences in your art viewing experience during lockdown versus now. Yeah, so like a lot of people, I was pretty observant of the rules for a significant uh, stretch of time. And that just means that my art viewing definitely shifted indoors and it shifted to screens. Um, And so I focused more on uh, video art and film for a while before getting back out there and seeing a lot of shows. 
And I think the first time I got back to museums, it, it had kind of hit me that this is supposed to be sort of like a pleasant or entertaining time. And I wasn't quite I wasn't quite ready for it. Um, it surprised me a little bit the first couple shows I went to where I recognized I'm mentally not in a place to receive this kind of like uh, lightness of tone. So I think that was really uh, a check for me that I needed to kind of make sure I was taking care of myself and getting uh, sort of all of my my needs met emotionally, socially, um, and that it can't all be supplemented from a screen. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, when the pandemic started, I was still working in museums. And so even though um, we closed down and we weren't open to the public for a while, pretty soon after museums started to reopen, I felt pretty comfortable going into those spaces, mostly because there were still mask requirements and there weren't large crowds. For me, my art viewing shifted in the sense that I continued to go to museums during that time, but perhaps stayed away from larger gatherings, um, like opening receptions at galleries and things like that. Um, And it's just recently, within the last maybe six months or so, that I've felt more comfortable going to those things. And it's maybe been only six to 12 months uh, since we've even seen crowds kind of comparably return to what you might expect pre-pandemic in an open reception setting, um, maybe even museum capacities are like returning to what they were and it took a long time to get there. Jessica, given that you were in a museum setting when the pandemic kind of started and that's where you were when you were watching this whole global shift to lockdown. Um, And I guess I just want to kind of ask you a little bit about your perspective on planning exhibitions that are either mindful of the topic of mental health, or if a program is kind of explicitly approaching the subject of improving mental health and being kind of aware of one's needs. I'm wondering, are there any points of sensitivity in these types of exhibitions and programs that one should be aware of when these exhibitions are being planned? Yeah, absolutely. I think that Um, Museum experiences in general can be re-traumatizing for people who have experienced um, mental health issues in the past, whether it's the subject matter of the artwork that's on view or being in a space that is perhaps uncomfortable. Um, And so I think it's really important for exhibition planners, for art educators, who are creating programs to reach out to and speak with mental health professionals to get guidance and support and to better understand best practices around these things. Oftentimes, especially in smaller institutions, when museums seek to branch out into these types of programs or exhibitions, it can be more difficult to have the resources 
to connect with professionals who maybe have a better understanding of the intricacies of these issues. Um, But I do think that it's something that should be considered. For example, I know that museum programming across the U.S. where educators are working in the vein of art therapy with groups and audiences who are in need of those kinds of resources often work the best and see the best results when they partner with professionals who have that background and medical experience to really guide the program and to guide the efforts. And the other thing that I would say, and we can just maybe talk through this for a second. um, And so we're talking about um, art spaces as generally being reverential and serene and kind of like, you know, the places where we as a society collectively agree to gather publicly together to respect, you know, the beauty, the value, the importance of art objects. But maybe there's also another side to it, which is that um, if we're going to stick to that kind of mantra of it being accessible to all and, and a space of comfort for all people, that kind of takes a constant like checking in and making sure that people do feel that way in a museum setting. Um, do you have any any perspective on that, maybe from the museum side, Jessica? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know from my own personal experiences um, and from hearing experiences of friends that there are definitely times where not everybody feels welcome or comfortable in the museum. Um, for example, um, when I had a young child and I was carrying around, you know, like a diaper bag and had my baby strapped to me, um, I walked into a museum and was told that I had to check the diaper bag, um, which I thought was really surprising and was off-putting right off the bat because I'm walking around with a young child who's likely going to need a diaper change at some point. And so... I kind of asked back and said, well, is there any way I can bring it with me? This is why. And I was told that if I had a stroller, I could. But since I had it on my shoulder, I couldn't. So for me, that was that was immediately kind of frustrating and made me kind of go into the space already a little uncomfortable. And I would say it probably shortened my trip there, um, having to leave that diaper bag at the front. And that's just one example. But I would say that... Uh, different people will have different experiences in museums, whether it's um, because they're a parent and they're walking around a museum with young children, or if it's because they have certain accessibility needs, um, like ramps for wheelchairs or um, well-placed elevators to be able to navigate the space. Those things can be a challenge and can then take this experience that should be Uh, simple and serene and comfortable and make it into a bit of a hassle. And the same can be true for people of color who may feel stigmatized um, and who may feel unfairly called out or followed around um, when when they're in those spaces. So as we're talking about art as a conduit for maintaining or improving one's mental health, it's just important to remember that, um, we want that to be reached by as many people as 
possible. Um, and we want as few barriers to entry as that as possible, right? So Jessica, was there any other aspect to this topic that kind of came to light? So this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think that it's interesting when looking at um, art museums and art spaces and, and how art can be healing um, for people who are suffering from mental health issues, art can also be used to help medical professionals as well. Locally here in North Texas, Bonnie Pittman um, really spearheaded an amazing program um, starting when she was working at the Dallas Museum of Art, and she continues it today, where she brings in medical students and medical professionals to view art and walks them through the art of observation, looking closely, building their skills to be able to look closely and describe what they're seeing, because that's a skill set that has been found in the medical realm to be lacking from some of our professionals. So being able to use art as a tool to exercise those different skill sets, I think is a really intriguing program. Um, And it's something that has been happening for, I would say, over a decade at the Dallas Museum of Art. Yeah, I can see how that would be beneficial. Um, New research from the University of Pennsylvania found that visiting a museum can reduce anxiety and depression, as well as increases in cognitive function and empathy, which tracks. I I can imagine how that's true. A, A museum is generally the place where knowledge and empathy kind of meet, generally speaking. Yeah, and beyond teaching medical professionals about observation, the program that Bonnie leads is also very much rooted in empathy. I'm getting people to look closely at the subjects and works of art and to build empathy for their future patients. And so, Jessica, do you think that this topic will continue to pop up in contemporary art and contemporary art making what do you think yeah I feel like over the last year especially I've seen a lot of artists kind of dealing with the ways that they are handling coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic and the types of issues that they may have faced and underwent during that time of isolation and I think going into 2023 we'll continue to see exhibitions bodies of work things that kind of speak to mental health, that speak to the remnants of COVID-19. And with that, I just wanted to close with a quote on the subject um, that I found during our research for for this recording. And it goes, quote, art museums have great potential to positively impact people including reducing their stress, enhancing positive emotional experiences, and helping people to feel less lonely and more connected, end quote. Researcher Catherine Cotter in an interview with Hyperallergic in June of this year. And with that, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another Art Dirt. In the meantime, we recommend you take a look at our events listings and during this holiday season, if you're able to, go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.